नमस्ते एज पार्ट ऑफ शोरबिंदो राइटिंग्स वी टेक अप टूडे कलेक्टेड वर्क्स ऑफ शोरबिंदो वॉल्यूम नाइन विच इज राइटिंग्स इन बंगाली एंड संस्कृत सो बल्क ऑफ दीज राइटिंग्स आर फ्रॉम द जर्नल वीकली जर्नल दैट शोरबिंदो वॉज एडिटिंग soon after his release from the alipur jail 1909 to 1910 and the name of the journal was dharma but there are other bengali writings also which have been included here and we'll talk about it as we go by but just a little background about shurbindo's learning bengali and sanskrit so as we know in the story of buddha buddha is born and there is a prophecy and prediction that he'll either become a mighty king conqueror of the outer world or he'll become an inner king conqueror of the inner world so uh, his father alarmed by this prophecy started uh, he created an environment so that he never sees anything which is suffering he is totally entrenched in pleasure so buddha's life till 21 was all full of pleasure everything possible could be you know provided for him but as happens that he was married he had a child so those who believe that by marriage you can stop a person from evolving further so <laughs> see this is how destiny operates so buddha belongs to the burdened great missioned so just one day he needed to see one sick person one suffering person one death and that was enough for him to change track shobindo's father also very intuitively without knowing that you know he would be uh, what he would become at the instance of his nana ji rishi raj narayan bose he kept his name as aurobindo which basically means lotus shurabindo sure, but that time the name that was given was this so which is lotus it also means oro if you look at that word it's about the dawn so really if you look at it that his name was also kept very intuitively that he is the one who will bring dawn and like the avatar he is the lotus born amidst the all the uh, you know mud and mire of human nature and again to prevent him from knowing anything about indian culture he was sent to all the way to another kind of even more than buddha buddha at least had a palace but shurbindo was sent to the hub of what can be called as glamour and charm and that is the uh, i mean england that time it was regarded as a place where the sun never set in the british empire because it was spread so much so it was the hub the happening place and shubindo goes there completely alienated from his culture baptized in a way if you want to put it and uh, he it went to that extent that he was not even given a, a training about his own language so he didn't know his mother tongue when he went to uh, uk he didn't know his mother tongue he was uh, knowing only english so he goes there and for a long time he has no contact with his mother tongue he doesn't know how to speak in bengali then during the ics exam because he has he says where will you serve so the province is bengal so he has to learn a little bit of bengali so that's that's how he learned a little bit of bengali but not enough enough to clear the exam which he of course cleared in flying colors then he comes to baroda where he starts learning bengali and sanskrit so both his mother tongue and also the mother tongue in the sense of the indian nation you know the importance that shurbindo and the mother have given to sanskrit 
Now, many people feel that Dinendra Kumar Roy had come and taught him Bengali. Shubhinda has corrected it. It's not true. He had learned Bengali good enough to read some of the classic works of Bengali. Authors like Michael Madhusudan Dutt, all these in original. So, he could read, he could even write. So, but Dinendra Kumar Roy, outwardly Shubhinda gives a reason that he was called just to keep, you know, brush it up because you need to converse with someone. But I suspect there was an inner reason. Thanks to that association, we have such a wonderful memoirs of Shurbindo or rather Dinant Kumar Roy as his Bengali teacher in Baroda. Because he lived with him and he saw, you know, many of those things that how Shurbindo will sit at night uh, with just that kerosene lamp and with all the mosquitoes around and he would be sitting and concentrated with books and in his writing it is amazing. And the Maratha cook will uh, come and give some food for him. And he would just say, Ragdo, okay, saab khana, okay, keep it. And this would go on late night. Then he would say, Sir, khana thanda ho gaya. <laughs> it's gone cold. And then he would take it with perfect samata. He's sleeping on the floor, all that. So this is how, this is the kind of tapasya he engaged in, even at the as a young lad of 22, 23, uh, because he had to prepare for a certain kind of work. So he's learning of Bengali because Shurabindu had decided to participate in the revolutionary movement. How can you conduct a revolutionary movement without really being able to converse in the language of the people? This is something very interesting. So he learnt it very well. Right from the time, even before he has come to Baroda, he was clear that he has to participate in the revolutionary movement. These are sure in those words, not other biographers. So he learned Bengali and then he started writing. And later on, when that opportunity came, he also wrote for Yugantar. This is before the Alipur jail. Unfortunately, none of those writings have survived. It's a great misfortune. Shubhinda himself said, you know, that uh, he wished that some of these were there. And then... When he came out of the jail, along with Karmi Yogin, he also edited the Bengali weekly called Dharma. And uh, just like in Karmi Yogi, we see that whole tone changes. So, uh, then the Bengali and Sanskrit writings are not confined only to Dharma. They include a whole, um, some of the classic letters written by Shurabindo to his wife, the one which was produced in the Alipur, uh, you know, trial as a you know as a as a kind of exhibit against him where he speaks about his three madnesses that letter is very well known and one where he writes to Barin now this Barin letter is 1920 so Bengali writings are not confined to that period the book I mean the book is covers a span from 1893 right up to the later years in the ashram when some of the Bengali ladies they didn't know any other language and they would write to Shirobindo in Bengali and Shirobindo would write back in Bengali. Those letters are one of the sweetest letters that one can ever imagine. So I would really, I mean, they are letters on the mother, but very, very sweet letters. One of the letters I still remember, it was, um, you know, given out uh, once as a message. Uh, okay. Original Bengali, I may not be able to recapture, but it was, Mother is the goal, mother is the path. If you have her, you have everything. I such direct letters. That mother is the goal, mother is the path. If you have her, everything is there. I mean, you don't need anything. Everything you will get. So, such direct letters, even about obstacles, difficulties and all full of hope. He is saying you should not despair, just remain open to the mother. So, those letters are in themselves extremely powerful. You have these volumes of letters of Shirobindo in English. But these carry a very different fragrance. So, please read it. Then there are poetries. He wrote in uh, Bengali 
and almost all of them carry a nationalistic fervor where he is awakening the soul of india so the soul of india is awakening through there is one the mother awakes we have read it here then there is one ravana vanquished then there is another one where he describes that this vaishnava cult has forgotten the true krishna <laughs> they are all happy dancing and this thing they have forgotten that that krishna is also chakradhari you know that there he right and again he speaks about the buddhist cult that uh, the buddhist cult they are now happy with their pot bellies i mean it's very powerful but what do they know of buddha buddha is mighty he tramples over desires and ego and walks i mean if you read those um, poems it's amazing then there is a poem called living matter so living matter is about uh, he sees purusha and prakriti come together and uh, literally in an embrace and kissing each other it's a vision that he describes of you know matter which is a throb with life uh, so there are some of these wonderful poems and then of course it crowns with uh, him to durga which uh, is not prose not poem it's a hymn so hymns are characteristically songs or prose writings which are sung in praise of the lord so we know that in hymn to durga he has invoked the uh, goddess who guards india's destiny which is durga and there is another hymn also there are some small hymns other hymns also but there is another hymn called hymn to dawn so these are um, some of these uh, main writing then there is a whole set of writings in bengali writing which are i would say must 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 read actually i had not read them for a long time so i had read all the other volumes i said bengali writings i'll see later because uh, there was no translation which was available and my bangla reading and speaking was too poor to really read that way and so was sanskrit so i waited then i got this volume and when i started reading i said this should be read first then secret of the vedas essays on the gita which i had read already the upanishads because they contain writings on the vedas on the upanishads on the gita uh, puranas you know people want to know what is there in the vedas so secret of the vedas he takes off at a very high level <laughs> where his main concern is you know what was the aryan tongue the origins of aryan speech but somebody wants to know what exactly are the vedas what do they contain or someone wants to know what is upanishads what are the vedanta so all that you will find there and the classic one is gitar bhumika introduction to the gita this is a must read for anybody who really wants to understand about uh, and and you see that was the time when shurbindo had received the gita directly from shri krishna and was given <laughs> nirukta so the beauty is that that gita i take it that incidence in alipur jail where shri krishna hands over the gita as the first sign that the avatar of the past was handing over the baton to avatar of the future and next 16 years there is a period of intense preparation the 10 limbs of yoga have been given to him rather 18 years and then 1926 he finally merges his uh, avataric personality into shirbindo that now it is your age and you continue so if given that the the introduction to the gita basically the first six chapters where he speaks of everything but he also touches especially two chapters the world spirit and the other one which is sanjay's divine vision you know people have tendency to oh i don't know these are myth stories but shurbindo had the subtle vision and he had the divine vision both because he had seen krishna you cannot see the divine without a divine vision even subtle vision is not enough so he describes that what really is gross vision subtle vision divine vision how you really see god all these things are described very beautifully in these uh, seven essays or articles on the gita and some of them are with the shlokas 
he gives the in essence on the gita entire gita is covered slok by slok but without really referring to them that there is a sloka and there is a meaning because it's flowing directly from the highest source but in gitar bhumika we'll find all these so we'll read some of them just to complete this picture there is uh, there are also stories there are also stories and we know the two stories which are there as part of the bangla writings uh, one of them is swapna the dream a dream so a dream describes about the subtle intricacies of the karmic law normally we look at karmic law only from the surface which is outer acts outer reward and punishment evidently if god also sees like this then uh, i mean this basically flawed because you are looking at the act outwardly and the reward is also outward punishment is also outward but shubindu changes its whole uh, understanding into karma being uh, karma has to do a lot with your inner consciousness your inner state for instance a man may be very philanthropic in that story itself this bhava comes uh, this knowledge comes but he may be doing it all with tremendous egoism i am giving i am the giver of dana then this is not regarded as a very you know great karma it is a rajasik karma which will bring its own rewards and punishment then the rewards and punishments are also inner and the story is a very very sweet story one of the best that i have ever read where there is this poor man usually you know see this is how shirbindu was changing and molding the future that was the time when um, communism and socialism there is no god Uh, why would he create an unequal world some are rich some are poor so the poor must snatch money from the rich with the bar- barrel of a gun now here is shubindu he t- takes up precisely this theme head on if you look at it the story there is a great meaning in it so uh, there is this poor man hari mohan and there is this rich man teen godi seal and poor man is saying to krishna every day i pray to you and i can hardly you know two square meals you are not a good guy if i ever i find you i'll catch you i'll uh, you know beat you up because opposite i see teen kodi seal with all the riches though he is a wicked man greedy man and that time krishna comes and tells hari mohan that i have come and he says no, why have you come no no you beat me you said you beat me such a sweet starting of the story and then he said no no i don't mean it like that he said but you know i am very happy because my devotees tend to put me in places and put malas but i love you treated me like a living being and then it takes him into the inner being of the inkodi seal and shows him what a mess what a horror that life is so it's uh, even about the inner worlds uh, you know there is such a beautiful revelation about what are hell and heaven and how by yoga you can conquer the senses all that is there amazing story and then the other story is also very interesting the story is ideal of forgiveness now why did shirbind of all the stories pick up this one see this story is a small little incidents in the life of rishi vasisht and vishwamitra so why ideal of forgiveness now if you see that was a time when there was christian missionaries even now preaching the gospel of forgiveness compassion embodied in christ now here is shirbindo bringing out an indigenous truth about forgiveness but not born from any outer thing but from the highest state of inner realization but a compassion which is uncompromising with the ideal of truth that is the beauty of the story vasist loses his children just because he is not ready to tell something which is not right about vishwamitra so in this story though it's ideal of forgiveness it brings out the aryan ideal in a very beautiful way and then one day vasist comes to you know uh, 
kill him and that time he catches a conversation where Vishwamitra comes to kill him. Vasishth is talking to his wife that, you know, there is very little salt. Why don't you go and ask Vishwamitra? And she says, you want me to ask him who is an arch enemy who has killed all my children? How can you ask me to do it? He says, no, no, he is a good person, you know, he is a real rishi. It's just that, uh, you know, uh, you don't judge him by all these acts. So she says, if such is the case, why didn't you tell him earlier? So he says, because he had a lot of pride in him. See, so many things are intertwined. If you really arrive at that state, you will be humblest of the humble. Now when Vishwamitra hears all this, his heart undergoes a change. He goes and falls flat at Rishi Vasishth. You know, and that time he says, um, you know, you, you, you get up. Uh, so he says, you give me that highest knowledge. Now I have come as a disciple. He says, no, no, you can't get from me. You can go and ask Anantadev. So he goes to Anantadev and asks, give me that highest knowledge. He says, okay, I can give you, but let me see whether you, you can, uh, to give the knowledge, I have to get relieved of my work. I have the earth on my uh, head, <laughs> you know, in Indian image, on Sheshnag, head, fun, that hood. There is the earth, very symbolic image. Should be that one place says this is a true image. It is not an image, but a fact of inner existence. He speaks of that. So he says, "Can you hold the earth for a second? He says, "Of course, with my tapobal I can do it." Now imagine what rishis were there. They could hold the earth from falling apart when the cosmic powers have done away with. It literally means the cost they have become equal to the cosmic powers or even greater. But that time, Vishwamitra couldn't. So, Vishwamitra, you know, says, it's going away. And Anantadev says, so hold it, hold it. What can you give? He says, okay, I give all my merits. Still, it doesn't stop. So, Anantadev says, see, there will be chaos. Give whatever best you have. He says, all my tapasya I give to hold the earth. Nothing. So, then Anandev says, wait, wait a second. Have you met anybody who is a really a realized person? Uh, he says, I don't know, maybe Vasist. He says, oh, you have met Vasist? Okay, you give the merit of meeting Vasist. So he says, okay, very reluctantly. And the earth stops. Look at it, you know, this is known in Indian tradition. Ek ghadi ya do ghadi yaadho mein puniyad. Tulsi sangati sadhu ki hare koti aparad. This is not an exaggeration, just meeting a really realized person one moment. And when it, uh, you know, when it stops, so he says, oh, okay, okay, it has stopped now, you give me the gyan. He says, fool, a person whose one moment of company <laughs> could give you that power that all your life you couldn't have with tapasya. You are asking me for that gyan? Go back to him. So he goes back. But now he's a little angry. Why has Vasis not told him this? He could have straight away given me the gyan. So he goes back and tells him, why did you not give me straight away? So he says that, you know what, if I would have given you straight away, you would not have believed it. So <laughs> you had to go through that process. <laughs> now you come. See, that's why how I look at it when people come to mother. They don't straight away realize because the mind concept is the French lady. All gods have to be only in India. Nowhere else. World is only India. But they turn to Shurabindo. Shurabindo is like, you know, every way he fits the image, our image of the greatest. And he is not just an image, wonderful, beyond comparison. Then at some point, they chance upon Shurabindo's writing the mother. And then saying Shurabindo that mother is the one, mother is everything. 
then they are in a fix now he is saying go to mother but now they are prepared and ready okay fine we go to the mother so this is how when he comes back to vasist and falls at his feet and that time vasist tells brahmarishi get up so it's a story which is not just about forgiveness but about truth about tapasya about you know uh, the capacities of the rishis of your but it ends very beautifully it ends by saying that you know such were the rishis born in your and many such rishis and who will uh, are going to take birth who will go even farther than the realizations of these rishis so it is something amazing you know he comes out with that profound truth so these two stories then there is another you know very well known writing the chariot of jagannath so all his writings on in the dharma and nationalism they if you look at it it is reconciling something which was yet too much in the future now what is that thing the um, integration of nationalism and internationalism this is a confusion even now which persists that what is really nationalism and uh, cry for human unity so in chariot of jagannath he takes up the rath yatra and gives it a completely new sense and it's worth reading i mean positive time we are not going into a detail but he speaks about the four wheels it is much in the way in bhagavat we see that it starts with a cow whose three legs are gone and she is standing on one leg and king parikshit asks who are you she says i am dharma what what i what is this strange sight he says my three legs are gone i am standing only on shraddha all others are gone all the limbs of dharma are gone so here it describes the chariot the four wheels of the chariot and uh, how such a ideal society where we have unity fraternity a such a society has not yet come into existence he speaks about the satvik society the rajasik society the tamasik society and this is very interesting tamasik society tamasik society is like many of the like india of today and um, i mean he is writing then and what is the tamasik society tradition is the only thing antiquity whatever is going on for generations so he compares it to a bullock cart which will not meet with an accident but god knows when and where it will reach eventually <laughs> then the second one is rajasik society which is then he says is like modern europe you are sitting in a taxi and you are running at high speed and uh, there is lot of joy that the people who are sitting are getting but you don't know whether it will crash the next moment or <laughs> where it so because uh, that's the rajasik society and then he speaks about satvik society which is about india of old in times where everything is according to a shastra vidhan there is a place for everything because shastra is about time place and person if you want to understand anything whether it's right or wrong so there was no moral rule like this but it was in context of time place person this is the law of causality operates within that so you have to see whether the time is appropriate later on this time became muhurtam and all but in originally it is there is a season of life there is a moment when things are ripe when you are ready for the realization so time then place so there was a lot of importance to space and how you keep it there are secret spaces there are and then there is of course the person adhikar bhed this was very very prominent in ancient india because see modern liberal thought has destroyed many of these things so for instance one of those things are like don't be judgmental and nowadays the in thing is don't be judgmental so you know what it means it means that stop discerning and discriminating there is a faculty given to man called vivek tell it to go to sleep 
So, of course, in life you cannot take a step without judging. Judgment is what? There are two possibilities you choose. There are two aspects you choose. So, don't be judgmental should actually be don't condemn anyone, which is different. Don't hate anyone. But if you don't judge and indiscriminately you go about life, you will uh, land up in a, you know, soup is a good thing, but in a net of forces. Don't be judgmental. Another thing which has come nowadays is unconditional love. So everybody wants unconditional love. Nobody is ready to give unconditional love. <laughs> but unconditional love only God can give and those who are united with the divine can give. At a human level, there will be not conditions put, but there will be expectations, hopes, egoism. So these are the larger frame of the Bengali writings. Maybe I'll just take a little slice from there before we go to the Sanskrit writings. So Durga Stroth is of course uh, well known, so I am not going to read. But uh, there is a writing which he wrote much later, Hymn to Dawn. So this is not written during the period, it's written somewhere in Pondicherry. And I don't remember the date now. And it starts with this, Lo, Dawn, the beloved appears in a gleaming young body. She impels all life on the path towards the goal. Fire, the divine force, is born to be kindled in man. Dawn drives away all darkness and fulfills herself in creating light. She, the goddess, rises, lifting her forward gaze towards the vast, the universal. She has put on the robe of light and displays the white brilliance of her subtle norms of truth. Heaven gold is her hue. Her vision is all round seen. Verily, she is the mother of the herd of brilliances of knowledge, a leader of her bright days. Her luminous body is disclosed. See, this dawn comes recurringly. Savitri starts with dawn, the symbol dawn. Ilion starts with dawn. Ahana is all about dawn. So, this dawn, which is the first moment of truth, we can use the word. When the first gleam of the sun that shines upon life. So what happens with that? People have an idea, oh, pursuit of knowledge, this is, you become too serious and you know, people want to just enjoy life. But look what Sri is saying. He says, the goddess, all enjoyment she is. How can you really enjoy without light, without wisdom? What we call as enjoyment is not really enjoyment. It's a very degraded aspect of it. So he reveals to us what is the secret of enjoyment. Eye of the God. These are the words he used. Behold her, the mother of radiance. So there later on we'll also see uh, him to the mother of radiances. So many people attribute it to Shurabindo, but actually it was written by Amrita. And he gave it to Shurabindo who massively corrected it. Means he corrected it here and there. So it can go as Shurabindo's name because, <laughs> but it's a unique hymn because it's, and one of the very powerful hymns. So I must say, you know, but that's a different writing altogether. All delight is within. All that I that is hostile to man is afar. So let it be in thy dawning. God is dawn. Manifest thyself in our hearts in the play of the supreme effulgence. Widen the life of this embodied being. O mother of delight, give us stable impulsion. This... Um, Thought we also find in one of Shirobindo's poems, which probably we'll read one of the days, Perfect Thy Motion. 
that is also written around 1909 1910 we'll read during shobindu's life through the poems o goddess born in perfection daughter of heaven we foster thee with our thought streams and thou to holdest in our bosom the knowledge one and the vast and the sun seas of delight then um, just a little writing see um, we have all this about agni in the vedas in subsequently people in india agni is of course agni is not only in india if you look at the western myths the fire prometheus and you know fire birth of fire so much is there and people do it even today home yagya all these priests you know sometimes it becomes too much you know when they do 18 20 havan kund and all that but it is so surprising that people don't know what is agni and it may sound very strange because what it really stands for what it really means why is fire worshiped and even ancient you see persian civilization and you know subsequently uh, the parsis actually have fire temple and vedic civilization was so much centered around agni who is agni the god is it just this fire alok varshirbindu has to write it is on part of the writings on the veda who is this agni the root ag means par one who is powerful is agni now you know ag the leader the forefront power and powerful is agni again the root ag signifies light or burning the par which is flooded with the burning light of knowledge the effective force of knowledge the possessor of that par is the agni see how he is saying step by step the root ag has also the sense of priority and predominance age you know this must be first fast forward this is the first thing so it means the first one the force which is the primordial element of the universe the basic and preeminent force among all the manifested human universal forces the possessor of that force is agni the root ag also has the meaning nayana to lead to direct one who is the possessor of the primal eternal ancient and sovereign force in the universe and leads it by the appointed path towards the appointed destination the youth who is the general of the army of god that's why you know you have kartike kartike's story is all about the universal fire vishwanar so he is the leader of deva senapati so he is unique you know and that's why the vahana is victory which is the peacock why peacock because peacock eats away all the snakes you see that if you read the story of garuda and this thing so the the equivalent on earth is peacock so peacocks have this capacity so snakes are symbol of hostile forces and the peacock can prey upon the snake only those snakes survive in front of peacock who are around shiva okay so, <laughs> so <laughs> so it the path who by his no, knowledge and power props various forces of nature in their different activities and keeps them on the right path agni nay supataraye so it shows the right path that puja is agni all these virtues of agni have been mentioned and hymned in hundreds of suktas of the veda the original cause of this universe hidden in all its development the most fundamental of all forces and paramount among them 
stay of all gods regulator of all dharmas guardian of the most profound aim and truth of the universe this agni is no one else but the omniscient energizing power of the divine manifests force heat and brilliance the principle of true existence in the truth consciousness bliss contains in itself the consciousness so you see he is basically Uh, speaking of the divine mother in her omniscience and omnipotence that power is the divine energy which is inside and then we understand what is the uh, meaning of uh, kundalini awakening so this is one then there are many other beautiful things he speaks about agni the divine energy now what is upni what does upnishad mean of course there are many things which are written about it read but look at what shurbindo writes the word upanishad means to enter into a secret place so uh, when i had read it it was written that there are two meanings one is to enter into the heart of inner knowledge the second was to sit at the feet of a master but shurbindo speaks of it so beautifully the rishis did not obtain the knowledge mentioned in the upanishads by force of argument we'll debate and discuss and decide whether god exists or doesn't exist i can tell you this is of course my own view you can debate and discuss and you cannot come to a conclusion that whether i exist or not and i am not joking <laughs> nor welcoming a debate <laughs> but it's true if you really debate and discuss you will end up in a point where you will end up in a void and you won't know whether you really exist or not whether what you call as yourself is a product of this that hundred thing where is you who are you at the end it'll all collapse into nothingness and leave aside god whether he exist or not by by this non existent creature <laughs> i extensive learning or from the flow of inspiration but earned by yoga the right of entry into the secrecy of the mind where hangs the key to the integral knowledge there is a very beautiful essay on the integral yoga in the upanishads then isha upanishad which shobindo said is the uh, foundation of the life divine really look at the isha upanishad those 18 verses the clear cut foundation of divine life where it is telling neither to live in this darkness not to you know end up with non being non birth into that uh, oneness beyond but to combine the two any attempt to discover the meaning of the upanishads by argument alone is equivalent <laughs> it's equivalent to investigating a dense forest with a lighted candle from high tree tops <laughs> direct vision is the sunlight which illumines the entire forest making it visible to the seeker direct vision can be attained only by yoga what a logical way of going and telling us that look if you really want god don't just keep admiring the pot go ahead drink the nectar that's the only way to really find god at one place he says amongst his writings on nationalism a group of writing what really is indian nation and there he speaks about the hindu muslim problem he speaks about you know how you should regard the country as mother and uh, he says that the problem with all these uh, different uh, movements which tried to unite india uh, for instance rana ranjit singh raja ranjit singh in punjab and um, uh, shivaji 
and others guru gobind singh so he says they saw india as mother but only as the mother of a limited like mother of sikhs mother of you know a punjab mother of Mar- marathas so he says you have to have the vision of india the mother and she is a part of the universal mother otherwise your nationalism will become counterproductive so all this is there in that um, he in fact tells that you know the mohammedan he can disown the religion but can he disregard his mother he is also born of the same soil this sentiment must awaken so he says the independence of india is only a secondary aim the main object is to reveal the power of indian culture its spread and victory throughout the world what we find today is just uh, today things are changing but sometime back it was just the opposite dasura had so much hypnotized india that uh, everything in indian culture was regarded as bad evil and everything that came from the west branded from branded shoes to the necktie and it was so easy to ape and fool people even till today I can tell you that if somebody walks on the road comes from a mercedes gets down with nice branded shoes with a necktie and suit you will think he is a big man though he may be the worst scoundrel on earth and somebody who comes like wearing an ordinary dhoti we have these two examples in shurbindo ashram when vasishth ganpati muni came he was in very ordinary clothes and people didn't allow him to enter <laughs> and mother had to send chambaklal who is this person calling my name constantly let him in and on the other hand another example of a prince of lanka who wanted to stay in golkund and the person ran to mother mother he wants to stay in golkund no mother prince of lanka i said no mother but you know how will i tell him no he is you know such a big man said uh, you know he is not a he is not what he is claiming to be posing to be mother is not met him mother how do you know so mother poked into his belly you want a proof from the divine <laughs> you want a proof from the divine how do you i know he turned away face fallen what will i tell the prince of lanka that we don't have place for you he comes out and that time a judge is walking in and the judge asks this fellow what is this fellow doing here he said no he is a prince of lanka he is come. prince of lanka is a convict <laughs> <laughs> you want proof from the divine so you see how we are misguided by appearance it just hypnosis that's why we walk in see see swadeshi how can swadeshi really take place if you still have the image of a branded showroom and what is happening in a branded showroom things are made in for 50 rupees by local weaver and it is sold in a branded showroom if you go to the local weaver you will bargain 50 rupees nahi bhaiya 40 rupees ka milega you go to the branded showroom the same thing with a brand put 500 rupees is a minimum i don't know and you will very happily bring it <laughs> so this is the kind of hypnosis still goes on so but anyway so all this he awakened during this period then of course um, he speaks about the difference between india and europe the main difference between our country and europe is this our life is turned inward europe's outward that's what we were speaking about we judge of good and evil etc from the point of motive europe judges it on the basis of action done 
knowing God as one who dwells within and who knows all that passes in our minds, we seek him in the soul. Europe looks upon him as the king of the world and seeks and worships him in the world outside. How beautiful this is, you know. The heaven of Europe is in the material world. Worldly riches, beauty, luxury are welcome and to be sought after. If they imagine any other heaven, that too is a reflection of these riches, beauty and luxury. Unfortunately, we have just picked up from there and all the serials show like that. Their God is akin to our Indra, who rules the world empire, sitting like an earthly monarch on a bejeweled throne, swollen by the hymns and prayers of a thousand flatterers. So what about the God of India beyond Indra who dwells? Shiva. So he says, Our Shiva is the supreme among gods, yet he is but a beggar. Out of his... Look at the subtle humor and the delight of how he is describing. Yet he is but a beggar. Out of his senses, uncaring and forgetful. Our Krishna is a youth, fond of laughter, fun and love. It is in his nature to be playful. The God of Europe never laughs or plays. I am saying this way because very often you will see when, you know, him which is read out. <laughs> you see, you can see it in the intonation that when you see people saying mantras or prayers in India, it will be Om Jai Jagadish Hare, Om Jai Jagadish Hare, Bhakta Jana, okay, Sankari, people are just enjoying. In between, there will be fun also, people will laugh at each other. Now you are going to a typical church. It's not against anything. But to oh, you know, you feel, you feel, isn't it? You feel that you are in some very serious place. No, I have gone to both. I was in the convent, so, you know, I used to go every Sunday, you have to attend the church. But I used to say, why are they so serious? My problem was, moral science was so serious. The church, you go it, you feel so serious in atmosphere. And, you know, in our house, it was, Om Jai Jagadish Hare, and everybody is smiling and enjoying. <laughs> you see the difference. And it, till today, the way, if you read Mother's Prayers and Meditation, some of these people who with it, that kind of bent will read it with as if, you know, coming from... It becomes so unnatural and artificial. A way that even the Divine Mother would not use. <laughs> if you read how Mother has herself read, Gloria, Twa, you see her whole being is thrown out in a power. That's very different. That's the way one should read it. Gloria, Twa, Senor... So, this difference, you know, because of the God of Europe never laughs or plays. Since his majesty is hurt by these activities, his Godhead suffers. The extrovert attitude is at the back of it. Signs of wealth are for them the support of splendor. Our loving gay Krishna is the hero of the Kurukshetra, father of the worlds, friend and companion of the universe. India's immense knowledge and subtle vision, unfettered divine vision, pierces through the material veils and brings out the inner attitude. But was he trying to say that, you know, they should remain divided? No. Shabinda says, the unification of the West, East and the West is the religion of today. He says, several writings later on, that they must come together. But, in this task of unification, if we consider the West as the foundation or the chief support, we shall be making a grievous error. You see, what is the foundation today? Liberal thought. That's not the thought. There is one divine within all creatures. This can be a foundation. The self is one. The forms are many. 
you can't build it on the basis of an indiscriminate sense of freedom you know it's in fact is the best way for the asura to creep in so he says this will be grievous error the east is the foundation the chief support the outer world is established in the inner not vice versa and that one can see in the whole evolutionary history of the geography evolutionary history of geography whatever sense it carries geography and history if you go back to the most ancient civilization see chaldea is gone many others but after chaldea if there is any civilization which is the most ancient is the vedas then slowly all this came much later everything which became more and more outward looking comes later but the root goes back to the vedas where you know you are seeking it inside and it's very beautiful the peak of these writings are ultimately uh, of course him to durga and the other is tales of prison life tales of prison life were written for the pravartak uh, if i am not mistaken this was the pravartak sang where one second ha no it was written for suprabhat so tales of prison life is about shurbindo being in the prison during that one year and of course in uttar pada's speech is given the essence of it but what was he doing you'll have all kinds of stories and wonderful stories but what was the state of these people that place you see shubindo at his sparkling best in terms of wit and humor you cannot imagine that how could shubindo in that state when that sword is dangling over the head what kind of samata this is this goes beyond samata is delight of existence as if everything was a delight and i'll just read a few lines from here i did not know that that day would mean the end of a chapter of my life that day is when he is taken to alipur jail in which during which period all my human relations would cease that for a whole year i would have to live beyond the pale of society like an animal in a cage and when i would re-enter the world of activity it would not be the old familiar aurobindo ghosh rather it would be a new being a new character intellect life mind embarking upon a new course of action that would come out of the ashram at alipur first ashram that's what he says in one of the aphorism that i went to a place full of holy men and i was bored in their company god took me to an ashram and i found god there uh, took me to a prison and i found god there there is another writing about prison and freedom that how true freedom is inside it's not about doing whatever we want it's about discovering god within that alone can give man true freedom it would have been more appropriate to speak of a years living in a forest in an ashram hermitage for long i had made great efforts for a direct vision of the lord in my heart had entertained the immense hope of knowing the preserver of the world the supreme person as friend and master look at it it was not that he suddenly went and krishna came for long this was nurtured inside his heart i want to see him i want to see him so god said you want to see me yes okay come with me where does he take him to a prison <laughs> just imagine <laughs> most people would say lord are you sure did you he'll say i took your prayer too seriously that's why the mother says if you give yourself to the lord and the divine says yes 
then the whole world cannot keep you away. So this is what happens to him. He says, But due to the pull of a thousand worldly desires, attachment towards numerous activities, the deep darkness of ignorance, I could not succeed in that effort. At long last, the most merciful all-God, Shivahari, destroyed all these enemies at one stroke and helped me in my path. Pointed to the yoga ashram, himself staying as guru and companion in my little abode of retirement and spiritual discipline. The British was prison was that ashram. And then describes with great humor that how they had given him a privy. I mean all of them within the cage. And it was cleaned only once during the day. So whole day, if you have to go second time, it stinks. And he speaks humorously that, you know, I had heard about uh, um, the Westerns having a attached toilet as a luxury. But this was too much of a luxury. So, <clears throat> at one place he says very beautifully, I have also watched the strange contradiction in my life that however much good my well-intentioned friends might do for me, it is those who have harmed me. Whom shall I call an enemy? Since enemy I have none. My opponents have helped me even more. They wanted to do me an ill turn. The result was I got what I wanted. So what an attitude. I look at my enemy and see Krishna's face. <clears throat> then he speaks about the ball. He used, they used to get one simple plate. But more dear and useful than the plate was the bowl. Among inert objects, it was like the British civilian. Just as a civilian, ipso facto, he is fit and able to undertake any administrative duty. Be it a judge, so look at the humor and the satire. Any administrative duty, be it as judge, magistrate, police, revenue officer, chairman of municipality, professor, preacher, whatever you ask him to do, he can become at your merest saying. Just as for him to be an investigator, complainant, police magistrate, even at times to be the counsel for defense. All these roles hold a friendly concourse in the same hospitable body. My dear Baal was equally multipurpose. What a remarkable, I mean, luminous intelligence, sparkling with wit and showing at one stroke on one side the fallacy of the, the ways of the British comedy. He speaks about British justice. At the same time, he is revealing how we can take these things and This is the attached bathrooms, often times a part of Western culture, but to have in a small cell a bedroom, dining room and WC rolled into one. That is what is called too much of a good thing. We Indians are full of regrettable customs. It is painful for us to be so highly civilized. <laughs> I mean, look at the satire. All this myth about civilization, we have come to civilize the... You know, those who are downtrodden, uncultured, uncouth, unlettered, peace and he's saying, better leave us. Don't civilize us so much. <laughs> uh, anyway, so this is something which of course we have read all his life there, which comes in this part. And I have already mentioned about, um, about these two um, 
letters to Mrilani Devi where he speaks about three madnesses but there is a letter where he says something very interesting he says that um, maybe I'll just take it out need a help letters to Mrilani so <laughs> always God has an unexpected way of suddenly saying okay I'm here <laughs> tell me so anyways in that letter he speaks about what he is really doing and People have this idea that, you know, they ask this question, why did he just leave Milani Devi and come away? It's not true. So in his letter, he asks her to come along with him. And he asks her with such a beautiful way. And this is like a path that, you know, we all can follow. Letters to Mrilanini. That's the subtitle. If you type, it will come. So there he says what path he is after the three madnesses. He says, will you come along with me? And then he says, you know, you will say, what can I do? You know, just imagine Shurbindo, those heights, even then. And what his wife would have felt, how can I walk on this path? You have had vision, you have had such experiences, you are practicing yoga. How can I follow the path? So he gives in brief, what really a most ordinary person, people often ask, what should we do? Because, you know, all this is too high for us. And there he tells her what to do. He tells her, all that you need to do is to have faith or you can type three madnesses, you will get it. So he says that, you know, uh, have faith. Then he says that, just sit for half an hour. That's all that is required. And trust and trust yourself in the hands of God. And he will do the rest. He will compensate for all the weaknesses that you may have in your nature. And then what is the weakness? His compassion. He says that, you know, you have one weakness inside you. What is the weakness? He says, he says you are too innocent, too simple. You believe anything that everybody tells you. So you believe these Brahmo Samajists and you know, you don't trust really yourself in the hands of God. You believe God is an abstraction. So you are unable to really surrender to Him. So this is the... Yeah. Otherwise, no problem. I think I have... Yeah. Yeah. So in this letter, just we'll read this and then we can probably stop. Ha. At the end, what does he ask? <clears throat> he also tells her that you know God has strange ways he brings good out of evil all these beautiful things now I ask you this is Shurabindu's uh, she is asking Marilani Devi now I ask you what do you want to do in this matter the wife is the Shakti of the husband are you going to be the disciple of Usha and adulate the sahibs must be one of the friends. By the way, Ushaharan Kabi is also part of this. So, anyway. Are you going to be the disciple of Usha and adulate the sahibs? Would you be indifferent and diminish the power of your husband? Or would you double his sympathy and enthusiasm? This was the idea of husband and wife in the ancient times. Of course, it is given that husband is following a high ideal. He is not just, you know, anybody. You might reply... What could a simple woman like me do in all these great works? I have neither willpower nor intelligence. I am afraid even to think of these things. This is what we often say, no? That what can we do? Shubhindu's yoga, so many volumes, so many big things. 
how can we even think about practicing this path which even great people don't understand though they lecture about you know <laughs> i can tell you finally shirobindo's integral yoga only shirobindo and the mother perfectly understand remember that <laughs> so she says what can i do they'll make us understand what is needed for us so he says there is a simple solution for it what is the solution he is giving us we don't have will we don't have intelligence you are asking us to come along what do we do so he says there is a simple solution take refuge in the divine <laughs> what a wonderful <laughs> i just can't imagine that life could be so simple yoga could be so simple later he made it even simpler because divine is still an abstraction you know take refuge in the mother and this is the truth he carries on till you know that letter to nirota he says one of the two central secrets of this sadhana is to take to psychically open to the mother another place he says to take refuge in the mother mother shirobindo is my refuge can really it be done like that then the second thing in that letter he says aspiration for the divine life here he says step on the path of god realization so what will happen then what stages will happen lights will appear sound will appear i'll see visions hear voices no <laughs> cuts through the entire thing he says he will soon cure all your deficiencies fear gradually leaves the person who takes refuge in the divine swalpamasya dharmasya even a little bit of practice gets us rid of much fear and if you have faith in me now he is not telling directly and if you have faith in me and listen to what i say instead of listening to others i can give you my force which would not be reduced by giving but would on the contrary increase such a direct that you know it is said of buddha that his first disciple was uh, his son is a touching story about it when he comes back after realization he he has to initiate people and when is if children used to come he would ask them to go back and take permission from parents so buddha's son rohit ashwi comes rohit or rahul anyway so he comes and meets his father and he says i want initiation so buddha says all right i initiate you then his wife asks him you are still attached to him as a father you don't want him to take my permission <laughs> very touching episode so that's not what detachment is about that i am nobody is nothing it's not like it's an inner state <laughs> that's the way the poet has tried to or the story as it goes so with shurbindo we see she is one of those barinda one of the first people whom we can say shurbindo initiated into this yoga we say that the wife is the shakti of the husband that means that the husband sees his own reflection in the wife finds the echo of his own noble aspiration in her and thereby redoubles his force would you always remain like this i shall dress well eat good food laugh and dance and enjoy all possible pleasures such a state of mind is not called progress nowadays the life of a of women in our country has assumed a very narrow and humiliating form abandon all these things and come with me 
We have come in the world to do God's work. Let us begin it. And then he says, there is one defect in your nature. You are too simple. You listen to all that people say. And finally, he says, he says, don't divulge this secret to anybody. You will get strength from your devotion to God. Your praying to God will bring you that strength. And then in the beginning, this was my secret without divulging. So what was should be the secret? People often say, you know, first step he had silent mind and so people strive for silent mind. Shubhinda himself says that the silent mind came to me by the grace of Krishna or Kali and Kali or the Guru if you want to put it. Shubhinda never gave himself that credit that he tried something and got the silent mind. And behind it there were years when he was just striving as aspiring. So here he says finally, you are already inclined to philanthropy and Sacrifice Only what is wanting is the strength of mind. You will get that strength from your devotion to God. Your praying to God will bring you that strength. And then he says, this was my secret. So simple. We thought Shubhinda's secret was that he was you know, reading a lot of philosophy, engaging in a lot of discussion. And then this was the secret of his realization. He says, this was my secret. Without divulging it to anybody, reflect over these things with a tranquil mind. There is nothing to be afraid of, but plenty to think about. So what do we do in the beginning? People often ask, how do we begin? How do we begin? This is how we begin. And then he says something. In the beginning, you won't have to do anything more than to devote half an hour every day to meditate on God. How do I begin? Here is the answer. So what do we do during that time? You should put before him your strong aspiration in the form of a prayer. Easy English to understand. The mind will get gradually prepared. You should always offer to him this prayer. May I not come in the way of my husband's life and his ideals and in his path to God realization? May I become his helper and his instrument? Will you do it? That's how the letter. So we have uh, touched upon the Bengali writings, the Sanskrit writings. We'll touch next week. Namaste.